as you can see, we're continuing on in our discussion of the Holy Spirit, talking about the ghost this morning. Um, why is the Holy Spirit significant? Why is he important as we journey in our faith? And, and if you were uh, here last week, we looked at Ezekiel 36, a, a prophecy from the Old Testament. And so, so to kind of jump back into that, I want to I wanna just look at that really briefly so we're kind of all on the same page. Um, you see, in the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit would just kind of drop in and, and, and pop out and, and stuff like that. And so the prophet Ezekiel, empowered by the Holy Spirit, sent this prophecy, this, these words of God to the people of Israel. And I, I want to share this with you this morning. It, it says um, that, that, that God told the people of Israel, he said, I'm going to give you a new heart, and, and I'm going to give you a new spirit. He says, I'm going to put my spirit within you, and I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see, that's, that's the very definition of righteousness. The very definition, the idea of what that big church word that we hear sometimes righteousness is, just means that you're in right standing with God, that you're approved by God, that you are walking rightly, you're doing the right things. Okay, so, so just as a review, God says that he's going to give us a new heart. He's going to give us a new spirit. He's going to put his spirit in us, and that is going to result in us walking with God. It's going to result in us being obedient to him. You see, that's the promise. Once again, who's doing all the work? God. God promises he is going to do that for us. It's not something that we do on our own. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can manufacture. It's not something that we can, as long as we follow the rules and we do this and do that, A plus B equals C, then we'll get a new spirit and a new heart and God will will, uh, do all those things for us. No. God says he's going to do that for us. But it's going to take us submitting to him. So that's the promise in the Old Testament. Let's fast forward a few hundred years. If you will, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians, Paul, the apostle, is writing to the church in Ephesus. He's encouraging them to stay the course in the face of persecution and all these other kind of things that were going on. And, and I want to I take a look at this as we look at what the Holy Spirit does for us. In Ephesians 1, 13, it's on the screen, it says this, In him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, get this, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. (laughs) All right, so watch this. When we become followers of Christ, when we say yes to Jesus, God gives us a new heart that's in tune with him. We exchange our righteousness, 
All right. Like I said, right acting, right thinking. We exchange our righteousness, our ability to even try to be approved by God with his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. Did you know that Jesus walked on this earth perfectly sinless? He didn't sin at all. That's the very definition of what being righteous is. And so not only do we get a new heart and and, and we get this righteousness of Christ, but we get a new spirit. We get God's Holy Spirit in us. And it says this, God literally seals us with his spirit. We are sealed with the spirit. If you are a follower of Christ in this room, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit for eternity with God. He is the proof to God that you are going to heaven. Now, back in that day and time, the imagery of a seal was extremely powerful. All right, it's not as, it's not as big of a deal today because we don't really seal things very much like envelopes and whatever, but, but if, you, if, you had, uh, if you had something that you sealed, like, like an owner's mark or a, or a signet ring that you could put a seal on or whatever, whenever you sealed something, it meant that it was either valuable, it was useful, or it was really important to you or all of those things. All right, so if you put a seal on something back in that day, it meant that you really valued and wanted to keep that thing. For instance, like if a, if a king sent a letter to someone, and he put that seal, his signet ring seal on this letter and sealed it up and sent it. If someone opened that letter, they would be killed if they opened it and they were not the intended recipient of that letter. That's how important a seal was. They would be killed for that. Friends, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ in this room, guess what? You bear the mark of royalty. The king has put his mark on you. We are sealed for eternity. We bear a royal mark that affirms our value and our importance and our usefulness to God. God wants us to walk with him, and the seal of the Holy Spirit is proof of that. The Holy Spirit is vitally important to us because he reminds us of our salvation. He reminds us of this new heart that he gives us. Get this, the righteousness of Jesus is placed firmly over our heart. If you ever read in Ephesians 6, I would encourage you to do that sometime. It talks about the armor of God. It talks about having and putting on the armor of God. Does anybody remember what the breastplate is? Righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus, the fact that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, and when we say yes to him, we exchange our crappy righteousness, which in Isaiah says our righteousness is filthy rags. We exchange our ability to try to live for God, which we can't do, with the righteousness of Jesus. And in Ephesians 6, it says that righteousness is what we put on as a breastplate. What does a breastplate do? It protects your heart. It protects your vital organs so that when Satan tries to throw a dart at you and convict you and make you feel guilty and shameful, the righteousness of Christ is there to protect you from that. 
You see, we've got God's seal of approval as a sure promise of our eternal destination. If you're a follower of Christ in this room today, you are going to eternity with God. And the Holy Spirit is the seal of that. We're marked for a destiny. But it doesn't stop there. You see, it goes on, and it says that that God gave that Holy Spirit as a guarantee to us. You know what a guarantee is? Yeah, it's a promise. It's a down payment. It's it's like a first installment. If you're you're trying to buy something and you can't pay, you don't want to pay the whole thing. You put a down payment in. You give a first installment. And so it, this is saying that God literally gave us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a promise that He's coming back for His children. We have a guarantee, <laughs> a deposit that God is coming back for us. God intends to bring us home. Now, if I'm trying to sell my vehicle, for instance, and someone gives me a down payment for it, guess what? That down payment, I can use it. I can put that money to good use. And and so, as I was thinking on this, the question that I started thinking on is, what is that down payment for? God gave his Holy Spirit to us as a guarantee that we're going to heaven, that our eternity is sealed. But guess what? What are we supposed to use that down payment for? You see, God wants us to use our down payment. One of the clearest pictures of how this occurs is found in Scripture. I want to unpack this for the next few minutes if you will, all right? So, so turn with me, me to Matthew 3. It's in, in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 3. Let me kind of set the story up, all right? So, so we have John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. He went ahead of Jesus. It says that he had the Holy Spirit with him. The Holy Spirit was on him, and he told, the Holy Spirit told John the Baptist who Jesus was, Literally, before Jesus ever started preaching a message that he was the Son of God, John the Baptist already knew it. And it says, like, it, like in the prophet Isaiah, that there was a voice out in the wilderness calling, make straight the path. That's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a crazy wild man. He had a, a leather belt and a Gucci camel hair suit that he wore. This dude was crazy, and it says he... He lived in the wilderness. He ate locusts and honey, and he told people, he told the Jews that they needed to be baptized for repentance. Now, that's nuts because to be baptized, a Jew would not be baptized. In that day, the only people that were baptized were people who wanted to be uh, uh, put into the Jewish faith. So someone who wasn't a Jew. And so for John to be calling people to repent, to turn, and to be baptized was really offensive. It's kind of a a slap in the face. And so John, this forerunner to Jesus, is is telling people that they need to turn from their old ways and they need to be baptized. Guess what? Did you know the faith of your family does not get you into heaven? That's what he was saying. Your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your pedigree, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Gentile or whatever else, the faith of your family doesn't get you in. John is trying to tell them that this is a personal connection to God. 
He's preaching a baptism of repentance. And it says this, get this, in Matthew 3, John had just got done telling the people that Jesus was greater than him. And it says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let this be so. Now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. You see, Jesus was on the path of righteousness. He's wanting to fulfill what God had for him on this earth. And so he says, let me be baptized by you. Now, once again, that's countercultural. You see, what was John trying to do in this situation? He was trying to back out. He didn't want to want to baptize Jesus. He had just got done telling the people there that Jesus was so much greater than him. And now Jesus is coming to him saying, I want to be baptized by you. That was, that was almost like a slap in the face to John. I, I can't do that. John didn't want to baptize Jesus, but if he would have stopped this entire scene from happening, John would have missed out on an incredible God moment. Hear this. Sometimes our humanity drives us to stop short of an experience with God. Sometimes our own humanity drives us to stop short of experiencing God because something doesn't seem right. If we allow our sense of what is culturally appropriate to always drive our decision-making process, then we're selling God's spirit that he deposited in us short. God wants to move in powerful ways that sometimes may not make sense to us, just like him coming to John to say, I want to be baptized. And John, if he would have stopped this from happening, he would have missed out on an incredible God moment. You see, friends, Jesus was scandalous. Jesus was scandalous. Whenever you're scandalous, it means that you do things that when people look at you, they think you're immoral. They think that you're not legit. They think that that maybe you're up to no good or that what you're doing is not right. And everything that Jesus did in that day and that age, people looked at and go, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's right or not. Something's not right about this. And in this moment, he's saying, John, I want to be baptized by you. That's scandalous because he's supposed to be the one that's the teacher. Jesus took conventional wisdom and and he turned it on his head. And and you see, John knew that Jesus was the son of God. and, And he thought that Jesus didn't need to be baptized because he didn't need to repent. And that's right. Jesus didn't need to repent because he was sinless. But why Jesus needed to be baptized was to affirm what John's message was. And John's message was to repent, to turn. Jesus wanted to affirm what John was doing. And he wanted to show us a foreshadowing of what is to come. All right, so the next part blows my mind. Follow with me. Look at this. In verse 16, it says, When Jesus was baptized, 
So he goes under the water, and he comes up. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The heavens opened up, and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove and rests on Jesus. I want to ask you something. How do we walk with the Holy Spirit? How do we stay in step with what the Holy Spirit is asking us and guiding us to do? You want to know the answer? It's live with the awareness that there's a bird on your shoulder. How do you move if there's a bird on your shoulder? If you want the bird to stay, you move in the awareness that that bird is there. You move cautiously and carefully. You think your steps out. You move in the awareness that that bird is there and that you don't want the bird to leave. So this imagery of a dove coming down was symbolism for us. Did Jesus need to be baptized, and did did Jesus need the Holy Spirit to come down? No. This is a foreshadowing of what we are called to receive. We have to be aware and careful and intentional and obedient, just like a dove is sitting, resting on our shoulder. Notice it says that, The dove rested on him. Now, what's crazy about this is when Jesus got the Holy Spirit on him, what happens next? Does anybody know? It says immediately he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. (laughs) <laughs> this this miraculous miracle of John baptizing Jesus and the Holy Spirit coming down and resting on Jesus. You would think this would be like, oh my gosh, we need to have a party. We need to celebrate. This is incredible. The Holy Spirit just came. Did you guys see that? That was crazy. The heavens opened up and this Holy Spirit came. This dove like rested on Jesus and, 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 and this voice came and said, it's my son and I'm well pleased. And no, Jesus turns. It goes right into the wilderness. (laughs) You see, friends, when we walk with an awareness that the Spirit is on us, He's going to take us to desolate places. He's going to take us to places that are dangerous, seemingly scary, sometimes scandalous. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've been sealed by the, by the Holy Spirit, like 
Like you're confirmed. You know that you're going to heaven. That's great. But you know what? In my opinion, it's not enough. Like that's awesome. You got your fire insurance. You're not going to hell. Cool. We need more people like that. But man, what do we do in the meantime between now and eternity? If you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you like Jesus did, it's going to take you places that you never thought you'd go. The Holy Spirit might challenge you to do things and say things you never thought you would do or say. For the last several months, I've been hanging out in downtown High Point. In the last few days, I've been there like every day. And as I, a couple days ago, I was sitting on the street and drug dealers and prostitutes are passing by. And this one prostitute walks by on the other side of the street and I just start praying. God, if you would, please do whatever you need to do to wake her up. Like, could, would you just draw her and, 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 and maybe just let her know that you love her and that she doesn't really need to, to, like, clean up and get better and then come to church or whatever. Just let her know that you love her right there as she's walking across this street. Let her know that she's loved by you. And if you would, Jesus, give me the opportunity to say something or share something or, 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 I don't know, maybe take part in this girl coming to Christ. Because you know what? You know how downtown High Point is going to change? It's not by the white kid <laughs> going down there. It's going to be the drug dealers and the prostitutes. When they have encounter with Jesus face to face and they go back to their friends and the police and the, the people that they run with and so on and so forth and they tell them I'm different Jesus has changed me but you know what you know what it takes to see that happen it takes scandalous behaviors as I was sitting there praying for that girl the next thought that popped into my head was I wonder what people would say if they saw me sitting on the corner of Green Street talking to a prostitute. Would they judge me? Would they think, good job, Brent, he's leading her to the Lord? Or would they think something less honorable? Friends, when the Holy Spirit leads you, just like he led Jesus, He's going to call us to do things that are scandalous through his empowerment. Jesus touched lepers. He became ceremonially unclean by Levitical law by touching a leper. He hung out with Samaritan women. One of the ladies had five husbands. Could you imagine the talk of the day? Jesus was hanging out with a chick that had five husbands. 
Man, she's a hope. Can I say that in church? Apparently not. (laughs) Jesus healed a centurion's daughter, a Roman soldier. The Jews hated Rome. They hated the centurions because they had come in and they had taken their land. And yet Jesus healed this centurion's daughter. Jesus did things that were scandalous. On a regular basis, people looked at him and went, I don't know. And as I was thinking about this, I started thinking, you know what? If Jesus was around today, walking the streets, I think people would probably question his salvation. People would look at him and go, I don't know if that dude's walking with Jesus or not. <laughs> the rest of Jesus' story after he's empowered by the Holy Spirit in that baptism is one huge scandal after another. And every single bit of it was empowered by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Friends, the Holy Spirit seals us for salvation but he also empowers us to walk in this community carrying the torch of Jesus Christ guess what it's not about following the rules we have Jesus' righteousness in place of that what it's about is living with eyes wide open and hearts wide open and mind wide open saying Jesus I want to do whatever it is that you're telling me to do whatever your spirit says I want to do it Don't stop short of being part of something amazing just because it might look weird or feel different or someone might judge you for what you're going to do. The Holy Spirit wants to do so much more than just seal you for eternity. He wants to propel you into living a righteously scandalous lifestyle in the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, it's time for the church to stop being comfortable knowing that they're saved and to start being sent into the wild to face evil through the empowerment of Jesus. Yes. There's a guy up in New York by the name of Carl Lentz. He's a pastor up there. He calls it church in the wild. And that's what I want. What would happen when people stopped just being comfortable with their salvation and they started actually taking the community for Christ. They started combating evil, being led by the Holy Spirit, not just sealed because they know they're going to heaven, but they actually started being aware that the Holy Spirit's presence was on them. And they started walking that way and living that way, not out of moral obligation, but out of a love relationship for Christ because they love Jesus and they love what God has done and they recognize that without Him, they're lost and broken and they've received so much grace that they can't do anything else but tell people about what He's done. Why do I hang out downtown? because people need hope in hopeless situations. And you know what else is crazy exciting? Is that when you take light into extreme dark, 
it positions us to see God's light shine so much brighter. It positions us to see the Holy Spirit come through in only ways that He can. Listen, I love this church, and I love hanging out here with all you guys, and this is all fun and dandy, and this is awesome and all that kind of stuff, but guess what? I promise you that the Holy Spirit will rock your face off if you just start going in your communities in your homes, in your workplaces, into places where there's extreme dark and let His light shine. You don't have to do anything other than just live in a love relationship with Him aware that the Holy Spirit might ask you to do something. God can do so much more through us than we think we're capable of. And let me show you why. Put that picture up from last week. Watch this for a moment. When we say yes to Christ, what happens is God's Spirit, like it says, we get a new heart. And God puts His Spirit within us. So the Holy Spirit literally infuses us from the very core of who we are. We get a heart of flesh in place of a heart of stone. God takes our spirit and puts His very own presence in us which empowers us to move forward. But in order to to truly understand that, we have to understand this whole baptism thing that Jesus went through. And the best, best way for me to unpack that is by pickles. In the year 200 B.C., a historian by the name of Nicander wrote a recipe for how to make pickles. And he said this. He said, you take a cucumber and you babto that cucumber in water. You wash it. And then you take this cucumber that's been washed in water and you baptizo it in vinegar and after a while that cucumber sits in the vinegar and the vinegar begins to literally infuse into every single fiber of that cucumber and then it becomes a pickle it becomes something different and guess what You can't take the vinegar out of the pickle. It's a pickle. When Jesus Christ, put that that slide back up there. When Jesus Christ comes into us, he promises not only to give us a new heart, but that if we'll allow him, just like that baptism that Jesus experienced where the Holy Spirit literally came and rested on him, he promises that he will infuse us to the very core of who we are. Our heart, our spirit, our body, our mind, our eyes, everything will change. And this isn't some kind of magical, mystical thing. Don't don't hear me. All right, we're not going to get all crazy charismatic, over the top, like swinging swords and throwing fire, right? That's not what this is. 
This is an actual real life belief that if you will open yourself to it and say, God, change me. I don't want to be selfish anymore. I don't want to be caught up in my own stuff anymore. I just want you. Help me to submit daily to you. Then more and more, you'll begin to see and sense and feel and know that spirit descending on you, the presence of the spirit guiding your life. And then you'll look up one day and go, how in the heck did I get here? It wasn't you. (laughs) It's the righteousness of Christ. It's the heart that God puts in you. It's his spirit that he infuses on you. We don't have to do anything but just submit to it. We spend so much time spinning our wheels trying to get the formula, trying to get this, we got to do this, we got to do that. If I, if I read my Bible enough, if I pray enough, maybe this will happen. No. All it is is just saying, God, I'm available. Use me, Jesus. Help me to hear you more. And I promise the more you submit, the more your desires will change, the more your heart will change the more the Holy Spirit will start showing up in ways you never thought imaginable. I feel like I need to just share this story. Just, I didn't share this first service, but last week after, after the message, um, I, can't, I went home and I was just hanging out with my family and I got a text message from a friend of mine. And from time to time, he's known to... to to maybe just send some really timely, encouraging words. And, and, and he sent me this text message that just was like on point, exactly with, with like what, what God was sharing with my wife and I. And I was just really impacted, like, man, that's right on. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for using him to speak to me. And that was just super encouraging. And so then I shared, I gave my phone to my wife and I said, look at this. And she read it. And immediately she broke down and started crying. She said, you're not going to believe this. But when I saw him at church, I asked that God would give him a word for us. Literally two hours later, he's texting me. Because my wife asked in faith that he would confirm some things that God is doing in us. You want to talk about the Spirit being real? He still talks. Now he uses text messages these days. Back in the day, he used burning bushes. Which I still think is way cooler. Man, you think the Spirit's gone? No. We're just not allowing him to move. We think that we've got this world figured out and that everything's good. I want to tell you the journey that I've been on over the last few months, I promise you. The Holy Spirit is more real now than he has ever been in my entire life. All because 
I've decided to stop being so stinking selfish. Start putting myself in scandalous places, living a potentially scandalous life because people's lives are at stake. I'm telling you, the Spirit is real. He's as real as I'm standing on this stage talking to you. And my bet is He's actually speaking to some of you right now. So I want to do something a little bit different. If you want more of that spirit, it's beginning to to crack open the heavens and and speak to you a little bit. If you're, you're sealed with Christ and you're following him and you're in, you've got your fire insurance and that's awesome. But you want to start seeing the Holy Spirit more. I want to ask you, Come up. Let's pray together. I I want more. Like, I'm hungry now. I've gotten a, a taste of it, and I want the Spirit more. And I'm telling you, He'll do it for you. Everybody looking around, there's no shame in this game. That's awesome. It's a bold step. you're you're tracking with Christ right now um, just just pray in this moment okay I, I just want to say this maybe you've never stepped into walking with Christ maybe you've never given him fully your heart maybe you still feel like you've got that heart of stone if that's you you're here for a reason God wants to take that heart of stone and turn it into flesh. Draw you into a deep love relationship with Him. He'll do it for you, okay? You don't have to do anything but submit. If that's you today, I would ask you to just come up and join us. You can have a new heart. You can have a new spirit. Just pray with me. Father, we want more of you. God, I pray in this moment that we would just say yes. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you're asking us to do, Jesus, we would just say yes. Lord, that that as you take 
our heart and you turn it into flesh and then you take your spirit and you infuse every bit of us Jesus I pray that every nook and every cranny and every dark place that's in our lives God that we would just open it to you right now in this moment just like the spirit descended on your son and empowered him to do ridiculous scandalous amazing things for you God empowered us as your people God we want more of you we're hungry for you Jesus I pray that your spirit would just wash over this place. Do whatever you need to do in this moment. God, heal relationships, restore hearts. God, heal physical bodies. Whatever it is, God, marriages, um, addictions, Lord, we we want the chains to fall off, God, so that we can see completely and clearly what you're calling us into, Jesus. The road is not easy, but it's worth it. Lord, empower us in this moment. Lord, I just pray for a special anointing over every single person in this place, God. Everyone that's up on in the front, Lord, I just pray that you would just anoint them with your spirit, that you would wash over them in a powerful, special way, Jesus. Equip us, Lord. You've already given us everything that we need to make it as a follower of you. I pray that we would just release our selfishness and ourselves so that we can open-handedly, with open hearts, minds, and eyes, receive what you have for us. God, we love you. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. The road's not easy, but it's worth it. If you would just sing with us.